Welcome to Behind Every Employer, where leaders in business and education from across the country share solutions for sourcing, training, and growing frontline talent to create the workforce of tomorrow. This broadcast is brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. To learn more, check us out at www.coabe.org or any of your favorite podcast sites. Now, here are your hosts, Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. How are you, Anson? Hey, I'm doing great, Jeff. Great to see you again, man. It's been a, it's been a while, it feels like, but this has been such a busy period that it seems like every week is a month, you know. It does. Uh, how about yourself? Man, it's just hopping busy. So much is going on, and we, we're getting ready. This time was uh, Adult Education and Family Literacy Week's coming up, so we're all, yep. all going to be busy with that. But so much happening, and really excited about uh, this episode in particular, because I've known Chef Jeff Henderson uh, for a bit, and it is, it's incredible uh, the story that he has and the work that he's doing and the impact he's having in the culinary field across the country, especially with people, men and women that are just as impacted. So I, I don't want to waste a lot of time today with you and us gabbing because we do yeah. enough of that offline, but I do want to bring Jeff on and, sure. um, and get going. So let's get him right to it. Yeah. Uh, Jeff, you there? How are you, bud? I'm here. How you guys doing? Good to be good. here. There you go. We right. see yeah. you. How are you? So Jeff Henderson, um, is probably one of the, and it was one of the most recognized chefs in the country, uh, worked at Ritz Carlton, uh, the Diamond Bel Hotel Bel Air. Um, he's worked at all over the place in Beverly Hills. He he is uh, most famous, I think, for your work at Bellagio as a uh, chef at Bellagio, has chef yeah. at Bellagio. And, uh, and um, his story is just so impactful. So we wear a lot of the same clothes, a lot of the same shoes, see the same glasses in a way because... Uh, <laughs> because we both have spent some time uh, in the justice system. So Jeff, can you just introduce yourself to the audience and tell, tell us a little bit about yeah. you? Well, the, 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 the quick version of my story, uh, <laughs> I definitely am justice involved. I've been blessed. I've been out of prison now 27 years. I caught a federal case back in 1988 and I served 10 years in the federal system. Uh, former drug dealer out of Southern California, Los Angeles and San Diego. Uh, you know, when I look back at my life, uh, those years I spent in prison might have been some of the most crucial and most impactful years of my life. Uh, it was where I grew up at. I went in when I was 23 years old. Uh, I was in a federal system when it was called Club Fed. So I was in prison with the Ivan Boskis, Michael Milken, all the big junk bond kings off of uh, Wall Street. And so it seemed like everybody was a multimillionaire in prison. And, you know, uh, uh, the federal system back in those days, really education really thrived. Uh, we had a great law library, great education programs. Many of those white collar guys uh, taught business, marketing, public relation classes. Uh, they had a Toastmasters, a think tank. Wow. Uh, and it was through relationships with them, but also relationships with uh, many uh, black organizations in prison where I really was able to build up my self-esteem, learn a knowledge of self, culture, and history. Uh, but when I when I bring it all together, uh, you guys, it really was the diverse population of men from various lived experiences that truly allowed me to become a better version of myself while I was on the inside. So, Jeff, you know, you, you talk about it. if you haven't watched uh, Jeff has, if you just Google um, how yeah. I went from drug dealer to gourmet chef. Uh, there's an unbelievable video about you uh, talking about your history. And one of the things it talks about was um, you were a man. You were a good businessman on the street. 
Uh, it got you into some trouble, I know, but you took all those skills and you were able to pivot and use some of that skill set you developed um, growing up and and really being uh, being on the street and taking care of um, taking care of business as you saw you needed to and and changing it all around. Um, so what was that turning point? Was it when was it inside or was it before you went in that you just said enough? No moss. I got I got to figure this out. Yeah, well, definitely the no moss came uh, in the darkest place on earth. But prior to prison, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs. My great great grandfather, my grandfather, my dad all had businesses. And as a young entrepreneur, you know, I had a paper route, number one paper boy, candy seller. Hmm. Uh, then unfortunately, during the early 1980s, uh, the so-called war on drugs kicked off and crack cocaine showed up uh, in black and brown communities all across this country. I'm 59. Uh, I was in that game uh, back when it first started. And it became mm -hmm. the meal ticket for so many young, impoverished uh, black and brown youth across this country. Uh, and so I got in that business, uh, became a millionaire when I was 19, a part of my life I'm not proud of. But I learned some critical business savvy and traits uh, as a drug dealer. I learned to manage a diverse workforce. I learned what bottom line was, marketing, public relations. Uh, I understood the mindset of corner cornering uh, the market. Uh, and it wasn't until I got indicted uh, in 1988 and went to prison. Uh, and when I was in prison, I was blessed to have met some extraordinary men. And some of those guys uh, were, were black revolutionaries, uh, ministers, uh, freedom fighters, and, and old heads, you know, the guys who mm -hmm. had all the wisdom who had been in prison many years. But when I met the Wall Street guys, uh, I used to go into their television room because they had a TV room. The Wall Street boys had their own wow. TV room and they watched 60 Minutes, 2020, Primetime Live, that Wall Street Journal, USA Today, New York Times. And so as I began to watch these news programs, I was able to travel the world for the first time in my life and realize the world was bigger than the neighborhood. And then one day, Wall Street guy, a friend of mine, invited me to speak at Toastmasters. And I told my story uh, how I uh, uh, met, uh, uh, made a million dollars by the time I was 19, 20 years old. And he told me, he said, Jeff, you're a smart guy. I'm like, what do you mean? No one ever told me I was smart. And he says, when you was on the street, you had the same business acumen of us Wall Street guys, you understood marketing, branding, public relations. And I never heard those words before, yeah. never in my life. And so at that point, that was the aha moment for me. And so my whole model is keep the hustle, change the product. And so <laughs> I, I had to learn how to legitimize my natural skill sets, which was selling, which was communication, which was building relationships, which was ex executing. And then on top of that, the pivot, the mental toughness, uh, uh, the adaptability, you know, and all those different things set me up for success on day one when I walked out of prison. Yeah. You, it's yeah, Dance. Dance hey, I was going to say, it's, it's just an inspirational story, uh, Jeff. And things I'm hearing here, you know, you had this great family background, really good entrepreneurial spirit and background. And that's something that really people carry with them. But it sounds like, you know, in the most unlikely place, prison, you met some mentors, yes. uh, some of the best. I mean, like in the business world, you were getting there. Yes. Um, so I want to think about and, and hear your thoughts, and, and you can introduce the topic, too, about uh, the program you're running there called the Chef Jeff Project, because yes. I, I see this mentoring piece you're carrying forward um, in a big way. And, and I think we all can think of mentors in our lives that 
were really transformative for us. You've definitely got some folks that taught you some serious things and helped you with that turnaround. But but tell us a little bit about that turnaround and then um, how that really impacted the Chef Jeff project. Well, definitely, um, uh, you know, modeling the behavior that I learned in prison and then mastered uh, in the corporate world. I came yeah. out of prison straight to Beverly Hills in a white tablecloth restaurant. Wow. Uh, and I had to learn a lot of different things. Uh, I had to become uh, cultural intelligence. I had to really understand middle class values and wealth values and how to move and navigate and get access in that world. And so for me, it was about getting access to the most talented chefs in the country like mm -hmm. I did in prison. I'm a studier of people. I study culture. I study mindset. Uh, and I study the history of people. And so I was able to rise up quickly through Ritz Carlton Hotel, Bel Air, Laramitage, eventually Vegas, uh, become one of the top black chefs in the country. Uh, but it wasn't because I'm some great cook. It was yeah. my ability to manage a diverse workforce, uh, right. especially right. those with shared lived experiences who come from poverty, who've had the harm, had the violence and things of that nature. So the Chef Chef Project was born out of my own lived experience, which once was a TV show on the Food Network where I take at-risk uh, young people, uh, justice-involved young people, and I teach them life skills through culinary arts as a therapeutic tool. Yeah, that's not the only thing. I mean, you got a lot of things on your plate, Jeff, literally, um, including uh, the New Direction program. And I've had the pleasure over the last uh, year or so, maybe more, of uh, speaking at the New Direction program in Trenton, New Jersey, uh, where uh, the Rescue Mission of Trenton that's been going on. Can you tell us a little bit about the New Direction program? And I know um, we're trying to model it here. We want to see it go across the country. But what's the, chef, the uh, New Direction program? How's it work? Well, the New Direction program is the leadership offshoot of the Chef Jeff Project. Barrett and I co-founded together many, many years ago. We've been talking about it for over five years, where we take system-impacted adults, uh, mostly ones who have long sentences coming out of New Jersey state prison system, and uh, drug addiction. A lot of the men who we work with there uh, come from a history of drug addiction. And our goal is to bring subject matter experts, build a faculty to put all these different diverse lived experiences around this men to help them build on their potential, human potential, uh, to be successful and not return back to prison. And so that's what the New Direction program is. It's about instilling men uh, with hope, with potential, uh, building on that potential, helping them figure out what their strengths are and manage around their weaknesses. So, Jeff, we've seen across the country there's a, a real demand in the labor market right now for um, for chefs and yeah. for people in the culinary field. I'm just wondering, um, has the field opened up more now to people that have been justice impacted, to people that are marginalized populations across the country, to our immigrant populations that are now coming into our country? Um, how do you see the dynamic playing out right now? And, yeah. um, and it, we certainly know that what you're doing in this field, but What's really happened on the industry? What do you see on the ground? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, let me tell you, I, I tell guys all the time, this is the greatest time in American history for system impacted people to come out of the system and get access to entry level, mid-level positions and companies. When the pandemic hit in 2020, uh, I've been pushing and uh, trying to amplify uh, hiring of formerly incarcerated folks over 20 years now. And so when the pandemic hit, it put companies in a position where they had no choice. Yeah. Uh, because people were they were leaving their jobs, they were cashing out on their uh, pensions and whatnot, and the workforce is crashed. And I said to myself, here we have 650 to 700,000 men and women and juveniles coming out of the system every year, 
Now, are, is everybody deemed uh, hireable and workable? Probably not. But there is a high percentage of folks yeah. uh, who deserve, deserve, deserve a second chance and who I believe uh, if trained right and treated with dignity and humanity, uh, they can come into the workforce and become an asset uh, in brand evangelists for most companies in, in America. Wow. Jeff, is there, um, is there a story, a success story that sticks out in your mind yeah. that just says like, wow, this, uh, you know, I've had an impact. Um, and you work with so many people. It's probably a hard question for you to answer, but, but I have one I wanted to share, but I'm curious from, from your world. Um, yes. Do you have a, anyone that sticks out with you? Yes. Uh, a young man, as you can see, I have um, system impacted young people in my kitchen right now. Uh, we serve as a safe place and we teach uh, life skills and leadership skills, which I believe is just as value as a, a skill because you can have a great skill, but not have the mindset and go into a job mm -hmm. and get fired. Sure. And so we teach our young people how to manage uh, their trauma in the workplace, how to manage potential violence in the workplace and anger in the workplace through a self-talk mechanism that we use. And so it's very important because we come from a world where, you know, sometimes it's kill or be killed. And so in the middle-class workforce, you know, if somebody bumps you or looks at you strange, you can't like put hands on them and say, hey, what are you looking at, you know? And so we have a young man by the name of Alonzo who I got out the foster care system. His father was murdered. Uh, he was a former drug dealer, did some time. And I got him cast on my uh, Chef Jet project. And we were able to secure him a full scale okay. ride to the Art Institute where he has his AA degree now. He also has his CDL, he's driving trucks, and he works with us here part-time. So one thing I've learned about this population of workforce, especially getting them in the system and out of the system, it's about planting seeds for long-term growth and development. Yeah. And so based on how impactful their trauma and adverse childhood experiences are, some folks, it takes a little bit longer, you know, to yep. get them really acclimated into a world where you know uh, uh, the values are different, and so one of part of our curriculum is teaching middle class values: how to properly eat, how to sit in the chair, what you order off the menu, uh, watching yep. certain news programs, staying abreast on uh, community type events, so you yep. can engage and make that felony jacket disappear. Yep, I love this. I, I love I you know when you think of individuals that have been just as involved in oh. In the context of work, you know, limit, there's quite a bit more limitations on industries they can go into, work they can go into. Restaurants has always been one that's already, you know, very inclusive, uh, language inclusive, you know, cultural inclusive. Um, and what I am love to hear in the story is uh, when you think of food and restaurants, a lot of time people are thinking low pay. They're thinking fast food. You're able to bring forward excellence, five-star reputation to give people that go there as their first step a vision toward a career, something for real that they can build a family with and build their lives back with. I think it's very inspiring. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you think about the food service industry, it's the second largest mm -hmm. provider, employer yep. uh, next to the federal government. And so yep. the reason why the food service industry is so wide open for us and, and it's less risk is because we come in through the back door, we go home through the back door. We don't deal with credit cards 
or the public mm -hmm. when you go in at an entry level position. Also, yep. the talent, the passion for cooking is born out of working in a prison kitchen because yep. you guys know as well as I know, food is the most, chow hall is the most important times of the day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> yeah. So we took pride in the food that we cooked. Yeah. It was top ramen noodle spreads with the squeezed cheese and crushing up Doritos chips in a sock so you can get that texture for the, uh, you call them prison uh, croutons. Hey, so I, I ate yeah. some of the best food in my life. I ate behind the walls because yeah, yeah, yeah. the guys <laughs> yeah. could cook. Oh, it's no doubt. And you know, I forgot to tell you, I didn't mention earlier, I had an underground catering business in prison. So I was a prisonpreneur <laughs> after awesome. a streetpreneur because the Wall Street guys, how I got favor and access to them is that I used to cater meals to them. They bought all my red onions, all my my pickles, a tuna, extra chicken came out of the kitchen. I hooked these guys up and then they yep. fed my mind differently. And so everyone praised my food. And then one yep. time an article came out in USA Today about the top chefs of color in the country. I was, wow, man, brothers are cooking diver scallop, duck fat, sea bass. And I said, hey, people said, Jeff, y'all think about being a chef. And I said, I never thought about it. I don't know what a chef is. And But I was running kitchens as grade one cook head inmate cook and baker. So I'm also wow. a baker. And so I was able just to uh, harness all of that energy into the kitchens. And so working in the kitchen is very tough, right? It takes grit. It takes yep. mental toughness. And so being locked up in a cage and controlled movement and, 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 and living in cells and being transported, whether it's federal or state prison, what better way is to build on grit and mental toughness? If you can survive that, you know, the work, the work, the workforce on the outside is a walk in a park. I came out and went straight to the top. And even though I yep. don't look like I've been to prison, I was very uh, crafty in how I code switch. Uh, and from reading books in prison and hanging around the Wall Street guys, I was able to improve my vocabulary. I'm always clean shaven, manicured hair, got my grill fixed, uh, straightened up the wild walk, pulled my pants up and no one ever saw me coming. <laughs> there you go, I love it. Hey. So Jeff, we have something in common that you don't know. Anson, okay. you probably don't know this either, but <laughs> during my indictment, after I, my indictment was pending was several years, um, I actually went to baking school, became a master baker, and owned a commercial bakery and ice cream store called Do Me a Flavor. And we Ooh, served okay. ice cream and baked goods together. <laughs> and I was, um, and I'll tell you, I was, I was 20 years as a lawyer, and I don't remember ever getting as much satisfaction as serving a uh, the perfect apple pie or the perfect apple Ooh. cake to somebody with ice cream than I did in any verdict I ever got. So it was kind of amazing. It taught me a whole new skill set and really, uh, and it's something that when men and women are behind the walls, it's something they really can use when they get home, uh, you yeah. know, getting out there in the field. It's just crazy. We do, we do have a lot of employers and people in the workforce listen to us. And I'm curious like people really want to know, and I think they're we need to educate them better as to what what should mm -hmm. be on their radar screen when they hire somebody that that may be justice involved and have some right. challenges. Well, do, uh, I also I have a consulting company called Alternative Labor Solutions, right? And so when I go into companies and I'm working with employers, I created what you call format, what you call the inmate proof packet, right? And so when you're looking to hire somebody coming out of the system, for me, first thing I want to know is. How long you were in prison for and what you did while you were incarcerated? Mm. Did you lay down and just lift weights, gamble, play basketball? Or was you involved in a prison workforce? So I asked about certificates. Uh, did you graduate from high school while you were in prison? What skill sets do you have in prison? Also, I want to hear about infractions. 
And I'm that guy who doesn't judge by resume. I judge by the heart. And my question to anyone coming out of the prison system is I want to know what you did. I need to see your prison resume. So we call that the inmate proof package. And so when I go into prisons all across the country, I'm always letting these guys know, don't get dirties, don't get infractions, hustle those certificates, learn some skill sets, because that helped me make my case when I came out of prison. And my and my spiel always was uh, I'm excited to be interviewing here at this amazing property. Oh, my God. Uh, I read magazines about this uh, particular hotel. And I tell them, I said, listen, when I was a young man, I made some poor choices in my life. And from those poor choices, it led me to incarceration. But while I was incarcerated, I grew up. I held myself accountable. I, I'm totally responsible for the choices I made, but I'm a better person today. And if you give me a second chance or opportunity to work for this company, I will prove to you that I'm capable and I'm worthy of this position. And so sometimes I would say, let me work for a week in your kitchen for free. Let me show you my work ethic. Let me show you my, my attention to detail, my ability to manage right. and having an eye for food and, and managing these kitchens. And I would always go in in a lesser position and then I would work my way up to the top of the position that I want. I love it. Well, yeah, y'all talk about the training, you know, uh, behind the walls there and uh, the quality experiences you had. And I think when we think about our employer listeners out there, um, they don't know sometimes the quality that can can be in inside a prison in terms of training. When I I did some time working with um, uh, programs in Huntsville Prison in Texas and in Texas prisons now have the best reputation. But I'll tell you what, I saw the best horticulture programs, welding programs, truck driving, and culinary programs yes. uh, that I've seen in really some of them anywhere. The horticulture program was just amazing. Yes. And the culinary, you bring up something, but the one thing that I remember taking away was not only the great food, but when you have to cook for 400 people at a time, in a very distinct period of time, you really learn about the rush. <laughs> you know, you can't get that kind of experience cooking volume in a short amount of time. Um, and that is really transferable. You're not going to get that at a, a fast food restaurant. You know, you're going to get a rush, but it's not going to be like that. Yeah. So you've got that, you know, uh, catering level of uh, expertise that you can pull these big events off. And that's harder to get out there, I'm sure, in the yeah. culinary world. And here's the strong part. Uh, uh, and to manage the, a 400 plate up breakfast, lunch, and dinner in the system is really organizational skills and managing yeah. the and managing diverse talent. So when you think yeah. about when you think about uh, uh, lived experiences, I'm not talking, you know, on the racial line. You're talking about different criminal pedigrees. You know, guys who are lifers, guys who murder, violence, white collar, uh, yeah. uh, drug dealers. So it, it's an orchestra on how do you bring these guys together, but how do you communicate to motivate them to push them to put these meals out, which is key. And those were some of my leadership uh, and management skills that I honed in the system. You know, I'm, yep. I'm telling guys that got 30 years down that they need to push, 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 push. But there's a praise piece that comes in there, like, you know, praising how amazing their food is and, and learning Learning the learning the the difference in these folks and learning them individuals will tell you how do you communicate. Some people you can yeah. push harder. Some people you got to hold back a little bit, you know. And some people you lead through example, modeling the behavior. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Um, I, I think back, um, cause I did work in the kitchen where at the federal institution where I was at. And just, um, I remember, um, prepping somebody before they were leaving and they said, Mr. Ray, like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I get out, but like, how do I tell my story? And I, I didn't really do much when I was on the street before I got in. And I was like, well, what do you yeah. do now? He's going through and explaining to me, like he started dishwashing in the facility and then walked up to the front line and then became eventually became a steward. Um, of the kitchen and was, you know, running 1800 meals three times a day. That's kind of amazing. There's most restaurants yeah. don't run 1800 meals in a day and you're running yeah. them consistently. So the skill set and getting people to understand that and telling their story when they come home and, and taking advantage of it. Um, I, I, I was, I appreciate one comment you just made about the fact that you, um, you know, you want to know that people weren't just sitting watching TV all day inside. Yeah. Like what were they doing to get themselves better? What, what actions were they taking? They take, taking classes inside and that kind of thing. So it, it's, uh, it can change can happen and we, they just need opportunity when they come home. And we're so grateful for the work that you're doing out there and really giving people, um, an opportunity. And, and teaching them the things that often they can't teach. I travel around the country. And one of the things that I hear most often is from employers, you know, Jeff, I could teach them just to do just about anything in, in where they work, like in the facility they're working at. I can't teach them how to be on time. I can't teach them yeah. how to wear their pants so their butt crack isn't showing. I can't teach them how to, you know, how to deal with conflict when it happens in the workplace. Like that stuff that, that we need people out there like you that are, that are really teaching it. The other thing I got to tell you, which just cracks me up, is I follow you. I, I watch all, all your uh, your studio when you're in class because you post a lot while you're in class. Mm -hmm. And I was watching an episode recently where you're doing some, you were cooking, um, I think it was uh, bolognese maybe, and it was a sauce. And yeah. you're like, uh, you taste it, it says, ah, pretty good. It needs a little sour, whatever. And, and he said, oh, everybody taste, taste it. Everybody got to get here. You got everybody with spoons. Everybody say, you can't eat unless you taste it. You got to know what they're eating, right? That's right. And, um, it was, it was crazy good and people were really engaged and they're really learning um, how to be a chef. And that, yeah. that's pretty amazing and giving yeah. them a career. Um, we're going to take a quick, quick break, Jeff, because we're okay. going to, when we get back um, two seconds, when we get back though, we call it our lightning round. And during the lightning round, we're going to get you think about this. We want to call to action. Like what is it you want the public to know and to do um, after they watch this? So our call to action. Um, and so we're going to take a, a really quick yep. break. We'll be right back at Behind awesome. Every Employer. Awesome. You've been listening to Behind Every Employer with Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. It's one thing to talk the talk, but in the lightning round, which is coming up, we walk the walk with action steps. You can listen to Behind Every Employer podcast on YouTube, Spotify, or find us on your favorite podcast menu. We are back at the lightning round. It's my favorite part of the show because I think you can you listen. You can do a thousand podcasts, give 500,000 speeches all across the country. But the real truth comes down to um, having an impact and making change happen. And that really only happens through action and the things that we do. So this is our call to action, right, Anson? We're good at this. We, yeah. we like to get people on and give us give us your call to action of what do, you, what do we want the people to know that are really going to make change happen? Um, who wants to kick us off? I open it up. I'll go. Why not? Go for it. Jeff. So, you know, my call to action would be is to um, employers and people in the community who may have never been in prison is to look at people for their potential. And, and, and my whole thing is that everyone in this country, in this world, have done something they're not proud of. 
uh, may have did arrestable crime, may have never been caught or whatever that may be. But we have to begin to value the people in our community because somebody makes a poor choice doesn't mean you give them a life sentence. They pay their dues to society and, and they should get that chance. And so I say, look beyond their past, look beyond their adverse mistakes that they may have made and judge them for who they are today. And, and that's my advice. I mean, uh, look at myself, a walking living example that it can be yep. done, you know, and what, yep. when you when you hire somebody comes from prison, uh, we bring loyalty. Uh, when we get that second chance, if you treat us with humanity and respect, you know, we take the bullet for you. Uh, and and you, so your 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 chance of retention of someone coming out of the system is greater than somebody not coming out of the system. Plus, we come with a proven track record. Uh, we have sure. the grit. We're mentally tough. Uh, most of us have worked in prison. So we're, I, you know, I still I still say I get up on prison time every day at four o'clock. I'm up because count time was four thirty in the kitchen for chow for breakfast. I still get up at four o'clock every day without yeah. a alarm clock. And so that yeah. came from that training, that rigorous training on the system. And it worked for me. Yep. Oh, I, I have to second that. I mean, just just a great message there. The, the piece that I'm picking up that I want to send out to our listeners, uh, there's kind of two two sides to this. So um, for, for listeners that know individuals uh, that are incarcerated or um, that uh, work with them while they're incarcerated, I think Jeff sent a message that was just so important about doing and taking advantage of the opportunities that you have there. Um, it is very easy. You're probably demoralized. You're, you know, getting into the wrong crowds while you're in there. You, you don't have a lot of hope sometimes, but that is your time to make the turnaround because there is great opportunities out there. You guys both are living examples of it. Um, the second half of this is I remember back to talking to uh, the folks in Huntsville, the trainers of these great classes that I went to, they had wait lists. They didn't have capacity. The yeah. welding program had a year wait list. And so that tells me if you're an employer listening, uh, if you want to advocate with elected officials about things like funding, this is a place to make investments because Corrections is something that legislatures are always uh, uh, wondering how much to fund, how to fund. Uh, and when employers come in and weigh in, it really shifts and tips the balance. But when they weigh in and say, hey, we want to fund also the expansion of these quality-based programs of training, um, then you really have a voice there to build the capacity because no one should be in prison waiting a year to get into a training program. Um, but that's what's going on. And uh, uh, I, I really think that capacity piece has got to be addressed because that's these people's time to make that turnaround and build those skills. Yes. So I'm going to end with uh, end us with this. Right now in our country, there are more jobs than there are people to fill them. And one yeah. of the greatest in-demand industry sectors is our culinary industry. We oh, need yeah. people. We need talent. And we need to untap that talent pool of men and women that are justice involved and get them in our kitchens and get them in our restaurants and get them. You know, the culinary field is huge. The food service field is CDL driving. It's it's there's so yeah. many components of it. Um, but we need to open the door to talent that's out there and recognize 
that, you know, th these people are there and they want to work and they want to work hard. We just have to sit down and we have to go beyond what's on a piece of paper that may come back from a criminal background check and say, tell me your story. Tell me what yeah. who you're all about. And what you're going to find is you're going to find the Jeff, the Jeff Hendersons out there that are doing uh, that just are unbelievable people that have, you know, tremendous stories of comeback and passion and uh, that that's where I leave it. So we need to open the door up. So if you're out there an employer and you have a chance to to start tapping that that talent pool, um, you need to check out the Chef Jeff, the Chef Jeff project and uh, and really uh, follow his lead, follow his lead, because yep. truthfully, um, you're going to find that your businesses are going to be better off and um, you're really good doing a great, a great thing for um, for our society. And, um, and keeping people out of um, prisons, jails across the country because we're getting them employed into a, a true career pathway. So it's great stuff. Jeff, um, you've been a great friend, and I, I thank you for your friendship. My pleasure. Thank you for being on the show. I look forward to coming out there you and, uh, and working with you guys and, uh, and seeing you again. So uh, thank you so much. Oh, you got some guys behind you. I got, I got everybody. Out out there. Hey. What's up, hey. guys? <laughs> How you doing? There they go. Now you're on a podcast, man. This is fantastic. Well, the yeah, you guys are an inspiration. Uh, you got a great leader there, and uh, we're really trying to expand the message of what Jeff's doing out there to a bigger audience, to different employers. Um, but we need to, you know, seeing the face behind the talk is just fantastic because uh, Jeff's walking the walk, talking the talk, and he's got a team behind him following, yeah. and that's fantastic. You guys are all fantastic. So. Thank you, Jeff, for everything you brought. Just an inspiration for us. And uh, our employers and other listeners are going to be really, really uh, impacted by your your story and what you're doing there. Uh, it's just really inspirational. Jeff, thank you very much for being with us, guys. Keep up the great work over there. Keep cooking, will you? Keep cooking. Okay. And, uh, Anson, great to see you. You've been listening right. and watching to the, uh, the Behind Every Employer podcast. And Jeff Henderson's been our guest. Chef Jeff. We'll see you soon. Take care, everybody. Take care. You've been listening to Behind Every Employer with Anson Green and Jeffrey Abramowitz. If you like the show, please follow us and tell your friends and colleagues. This broadcast has been brought to you by the Coalition on Adult Basic Education. You can find us at www.coape.org. You can listen to us on Spotify, YouTube, or on your favorite podcast site. If you'd like to be a guest on Behind Every Employer, please contact us at behindeveryemployer at coabe.org.